fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Break the One last chance at Hockey Talk. This is my humble offer to you. One last chance. It's 412-333-9939 because at 515 we're going to be joined in studio to talk Steelers by Christopher Carter of DKPittsburghSports.com. Then also from our site, Lance Lysowski will be in in the following half hour to talk Pirates from Bradenton. We're going to start with the alliteratively Named Dan from Dormont. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Dan. Hey, I love your uh, website. I do it all the time, and um, I'm glad to be a s- subscriber. Thanks, man. Uh, we really appreciate that. We really do. So with the most, you know, let's say, the most powerful power, uh, power play unit that is out there in the NHL this days, do you think that's enough to carry the team through the playoffs? Because I honestly think that penalty killing and defense – Timing included, is going to be the weaker part of our team into the playoffs. Uh, how do you feel that uh, things will pan out there? Well, let me ask you this first. What won game six in Nashville? It seemed to be a goal yep. at the last minute of the game. Yeah, no, it was the penalty kill. <laughs> Remember, Nashville got all five power plays. See, that's, that's making my point for me here. The penalty kill uh, is not the sexy social media talk show subject. Uh, that's why I, I often will kind of bristle when I hear people talking about, oh, who could you get on the fourth line, the fourth line? You know who doesn't care about fourth lines? Coaches. Because well, that, all that's, coaches that's want to do on their fourth line is put PK guys on there. It's a storage unit for penalty killers. But the way we're with Broussard and we're concerned about Sherry and Ronnie's probably going to get bumped out. Well, he's hurt. Who, who, who are your four penalty killers into the playoffs? Who are the guys you're going to depend on? You got your Hagman, you got your Sheehan. Brian Rust is a penalty player. killer. Yeah, I mean they True. they have PK guys. I mean, they they've given up but three power play goals in a row. Yeah, I mean you can get penalty. You know, Josh Joris can kill penalties if you bring him up. I mean, uh, you know, Riley Sheehan is is their lead penalty killer. Uh, we wouldn't put Ryan Reeves on the line a long time ago in the playoffs, so why would we put Joris out there? And who's the fourth guy that you can really Because you're looking for guys who kill penalties here. Penalty killing is absolutely huge in the playoffs. Can't believe we're discussing this. Let's go to Chris in Charleroi. You're on 105.9 X. How you doing? Hi, Chris. Okay, I had a question. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple games ago, Penguins played, I can't remember which team it was, but I believe it was Brian Dumoulin. Mm-hmm. He, that uh, was a Toronto game. Go ahead. Toronto game. He he went around the goal and scored, but got a penalty. Yeah, he ran into Frederick Anderson's head. Yeah, but when they showed the replay, it showed it wasn't. It was like not. It could have been overturned, right? It it wasn't a penalty. Well, how so? Well, the, when they when they showed it, it on the replay, it showed like it. He barely touched him. He he hit his head. He hit his head? Yeah, he well, hit his head. Mike, okay, okay. Not on purpose, but he hit his head, which is goaltender interference. What it's not, and this is the part that the officials butchered, what it's not is intentional. Uh, it's insane for an experienced National Hockey League referee to watch that sequence when Dumoulin's trying to skate through people to score a goal and think, 
oh man, he really ran that goalie over. Okay. Yeah. So the, what ends up happening is a penalty is called on the play, not just a waving off of the goal. You understand the difference, right? Oh yeah, I understand. Okay. That. But my main question was, do you think that they should maybe change oh, change the rules or give it a chance to where there can be a, a, a coach's challenge? Absolutely. On a penalty? Yes, absolutely. There's no. Let's put it this way: if you're going to have coaches' challenges for goaltender interference. There's no reason not to have one in that situation. What ends up happening is because a penalty is called, because it's a minor penalty, in addition to yeah. just having the goal waved off, yeah. Sullivan was stunned, as was the entire Penguins bench, to find out that you can't have... Yeah, I couldn't believe what I saw. Yeah, and well, n- neither could they, because that the NHL hasn't necessarily done a great job of educating people on this. Uh, you know, a similar situation happened... Uh, in in the game the next night against Dallas, where uh, there was a play where under two minutes left, you weren't allowed to challenge something or whatever, and, and everyone was like, "What? What? What?" Uh, you hear these kinds of situations, but I also know for a fact that the NFL, meaning National Football League, sends people out to training camps, sends out officials, sends out referees, sends out people from the league office to make sure that the coaches, the assistant coaches, the positional coaches, the players, everybody understands what the rules are, especially if they've been tinkered with as some of these replay rules have been. So I'm with you on that one. I appreciate the call, Chris. 412-333-9939 is the number to call for Hockey Talk. I'll tell you this. The Penguins could use these four days off. Um. That was a challenging trip in a weird kind of way for a handful of guys. I don't think they were expecting anything to go wrong. But when it did, then they had to really task themselves to another level last night, which theoretically really you know shouldn't have been necessary. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this was going to be for the best. You watch the difference that that makes with this team. I'm not suggesting they're going to win every game they play for the rest of time. I'm saying that they're going to go out there at least knowing that, you know what? If I don't hold my weight on this next shift, in this next game, this is a point that Patrick Hornquist, by the way, was making quite passionately to us last night in Montreal. If I don't hold my weight, I know that so-and-so over there across the room, he will. And this guy right next to me, he's also going to do that. I can't be the only one who's not doing it. And that's what the concern was after New York, was that it became acceptable, even if it was just for 20 minutes, for all 20 guys to say, you know what, to hell with this. And that's why Mike Sullivan stepped in, and that's why the players last night in Montreal stepped up. When we come back, we're going to be joined here in studio by Christopher Carter, our Steelers analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com, for all kinds of fun football stuff. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com, and you're listening to 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan. Mark, good afternoon. Yeah, I want to talk to Mark Madden. What do you want? What do you want? Damn it! The X at 105.9. Filling in for Mark Madden, but not really. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. Joined here in studio now by Christopher Carter, our Steelers analyst. Hello, Carter. What's up, Dan? How you doing? You know what, Carter? 
Let's talk football because free agency has begun and the Steelers have still not been active. And everybody wants an inside linebacker and a free safety yesterday. Yeah, they also want a Lamborghini and a bunch of other things. <laughs> I want a million dollars right now, man. But you know, I think I think those who have those who know and follow the Steelers regularly understand that this is not what they do is reach out and offer these huge mega contracts to guys like Avery Williamson um, and Hitchens that went to that went to the Chiefs. They wait for those for the really caliber guys that are deserving of the of the long term contract and at the right age to get those long term contracts. Which a lot of these guys like Williamson, if you're looking for a cover linebacker, the guy that the Jets paid, he's not a cover linebacker. He's uh, he's a Vince Williams kind of clone almost. Well, let's talk. Talk first about the style mm-hmm. that you want that inside linebacker to, to play because you're not going to replace Ryan Shazier on a bunch of different levels, no. okay? But what I mean when I say that in this instance is you might not even be looking to do that. You might be looking for much more of a classic inside linebacker, meaning like a Lawrence Timmons type. And I'm not talking about LT now. That's a separate discussion, yeah, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about LT from five years ago mm-hmm. that's going to plug the middle, that's going to fill things up, that's going to keep, you know, what happened in the Jacksonville game from mm-hmm. happening, at least help out in that regard. Right. Yeah, you want a guy that, that can plug the middle, but the main thing that you got a run stopper. You, you, you want to get a run stopper, and that's what you can you can get that on the market for, for cheap. There's plenty of guys that can stop the run. The real issue at inside linebacker that the Steelers have been coming across lately is can you at least run with a tight end? Or if the running back run, run, runs out, can we trust you to go out and cover that guy as, as they're moving about? And that's where a lot of these, a lot of the inside linebackers fall off. Like Vince Williams is okay at that. That that's what everyone would agree. That's not his strength. No, Vince would agree with that. Right. And yeah. and Lawrence Timmons these days, he can cover a screen underneath. He can be put himself in the right position. But if you ask him to cover an, a, an athletic tight end, you're you're asking a lot of the now Lawrence Timmons back. Okay, in the but day. forget that because Sean right. Davis was the guy that was coming up and doing that for the most part anyway. Here, can they get away with just getting a run stopper? Just get a, a, a an inside linebacker. They could be asking. A lot, really. I think that you could get a run stopper, but you'd have to be Kevin. But Keith Butler is going to have to get make sure that he's uh, his scheme is geared up to say, "All right, we're coming out and stopping the run on those early downs." But when you play those teams like the Patriots, they're going to come out in those formations that can run or pass on the early downs, and that's where you're going to find a guy that that's in trouble. And that's what they really ran into in the second half of the season, especially with the Jaguars in that playoff game. You try to put Sean Spence. You know, if if he commits to the run to try and stop the run, and he gets gets beat on the pass, that's going to open up easier options. Which for makes Blake Bortles look like a good quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of so how that goes. You need a cover linebacker. There's guys out there like that, like Gerald Hodges, for, who who got who um who's coming off the Saints. There's guys out there that could fill that role. But to be honest, Dayon, I think if people are looking for answers right now. The, if you want, the you Steelers, mean free agency? Free agency, yeah. yeah. If you want answers, you find that thumper, and maybe that thumper is L- Lawrence Timmons right now. But you can get a cheap guy that can back up Vince Williams because you. The thing is, you want to have depth. They did not have depth this year. We saw that. That's why. they, no, they in actually trouble. entered the season thinking that Tyler Matakavich was a guy who could go in. Yeah, we saw that and out. start. And but again, what was Matakavich's undoing? Yeah, he couldn't tackle. Couldn't tackle, and, and he's slow. That's the thing. Is that it'd be different well, if he was part if he of could fly goes into it, right? <laughs> and then, that's the like if you looked at like him and LJ Ford. LJ Ford has speed as a linebacker. He can move about, and, and we saw that a little bit in the playoffs. And he game. dropped back a couple times and right. made some plays. Right, but he was also he couldn't tackle nearly as well. He couldn't he couldn't disengage with linemen in the in the box. Okay, Christopher Carter is my guest here in the studio, and I'm going to take this a different direction here sure. now because 
when I hear inside, they, they need inside linebacker and they need free safety. It's not to say that's all they need, mm-hmm. okay? But just primary concerns. That's 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 what you're looking at right now, okay? Uh, I hear one of those as being available as a draft pick, and another one is someone that you got to go out and get. And by that, I'm separating. I'll put inside linebacker as somebody that you can draft, mm-hmm. and you can probably plug and play the guy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. I mean, unless they come in and just stink, are horrible. Yeah. Okay. Safety? No way, man. You don't think I, so? No. I mean, I, I mean, I know Sean Davis, you know, started, and but it took him a few weeks to get that into position. It. The knowledge that you have to have, mm-hmm. the way you've got to be able to direct things back there as a center fielder, uh, and then you're a rookie and you're out there directing Joe Hayden. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not seeing it, okay? I understand that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't draft one, you know, like in the third round or something like that or just have him come along here. Mm-hmm. But to me, again, you you just have to look at inside linebacker. Yeah, I think that – I think the, the, well, And I know the, you don't like first-round inside linebacker. But. Well, no, I do like first if, – if it's the right guy. The key thing is who's still available. Like, for example, my first-round grades at inside linebacker are Roquan Smith. He will be gone. From what school? Uh, no one knows who these people okay. are yet. Roquan, We're not, only you're paying attention right you're, now. You're right, my bad. <laughs> Roquan Smith is a guy of Georgia. He was the inside linebacker they had in the championship game, and uh, everyone was looking at like he's gonna be. He's okay. gonna be really good. Would he, would he be around when he's the Pittsburgh's gone in the first? Okay, 10 well then picks. forget it. Okay. Tremaine Edmonds, he's from Virginia Tech. Freak of nature, but he will be gone. Gone. Okay. So the top two guys that I think that are first round greats and could be there are Rashawn Evans from Alabama, Crimson Tide inside linebacker. Yeah, you talk about him a lot. Leighton Vander Esch from Boise State. A good guy. He showed some cover skills, and he could hit. Yeah, but he played box. on a blue field, man. It doesn't <laughs> count. Just, those yeah, just... <laughs> I got you. But those, if those guys are around, grab them. But if they're not there, you can't afford to reach and reach into the back end of second round caliber picks to draft your position. Instead, that's when you go get your safety, and there might be a safety or two there that could fit your bill. There are inside linebackers like Josie Jewell out of Iowa. Who was he? Was targeted? I think sixty times. They said, and he didn't give up a single touchdown. Uh, cover, covering once in this past season, when in his games for Iowa, he's a guy that if you draft in the second round, say you get Timmons, and Timmons and Williams are your two starters at the beginning of the oh, year. Oh, nobody wants to hear this. I no one wants listen to hear to that. Listen to what you're saying, Carter. But, it's the, but listen, people I, just I, punch their steering they're, wheels. They're like, oh my god, I can't oh, believe this, this guy. guy. But, no, but it's Timmons. it's a it's a reality. You need a guy that can co- cover those gaps because stopping the run is imperative. But if you get a, a rookie that you can groom and they can get ready and they can be in those no, cover no, no, positions. I like that. Again, that's where Sean Davis, people forget. I mean, he was not an automatic, everyday, no. instant starter. Mm-hmm. He did have to work his way through his rookie season and mm-hmm. eventually establish himself. The Cowboys game is when I think he started to, they started to say, okay, he can fit here. Yeah, he could fit here because he, he really asserted himself, mm-hmm. uh, I think, both on and off the field uh, that particular week. Christopher <laughs> Carter's here in studio Uh with me, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. Carter and I are part of our football coverage team yeah. at this site with Dale Lawley. And Carter, you know what else nobody wants to hear? What is no one out here? Is that that they're not going to go out and address safety through free agency. So get me a free agent. Uh, I mean, everyone's talking about Trey Boston. I feel rightly like, so. But here's the thing: Trey Boston, he he had a he You're had not going to downplay Trey Boston. Well, yes, I am because here's the oh, thing: geez. you had the you had that Chargers defensive front. If you watch that chart, that Chargers defensive front with with Melvin Gordon and uh, and Joey Bosa, and they were flying out. Their their defensive front was terrifying people. Okay, that made it easier for, okay. for, for those guys to work. And they also had Casey Hayward, one of the best corners in the NFL, helping in the secondary. Also makes things easier for a center fielder, right? right. So I think that Trey Boston 
Jason Warriors. He's a good safety. He's not all these. I think that he's going to get overpaid in this free agency because people are looking at him and saying, "Ah, this guy could be. This is this is my future safety of the safety of the team." I think he's a good. He'll be a good role playing safety. That if you put him on a good defensive unit, he'll have success. Okay, I ask this with, I like and respect. You know this, yes, Mike Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, always have. Bob's making a face at me over there. I, 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 I do. I mean, everybody has different dealings with different people. Right. Uh, I've had a great relationship with Mike Mitchell. Respect everything that he brought to the Steelers, including his passion for the franchise itself. Mm-hmm. I watched the man shed tears when he took his jersey off for the last time and said to the equipment manager, yeah. I, I, I'm afraid I'm never going to put this thing back on. This man. was after the Jacksonville yeah, game. It, it was a tough scene. Now, in that context... How much of an upgrade would not safety like the one you just described? Trey Boston. Yes. Um, I think way right, over Mitchell. I think this year it would be an it would be a it would be a solid upgrade. How? He would be able to I think he would be able to get to the receivers faster. He'd be able to have better closing speed than Mitchell. But here's the thing is I think that that would shortly drop off shortly after. I think that though that his impact on the team would be minimal long term. The thing is if you sign a free agent at this point, free agents out there on on the market right now that are worth something, they're looking for the four-year but deal. But he's the best of them. Yeah, it's just I'm looking at this group and I'm just Do you thinking, have somebody better? I mean, to be honest, no. No, not okay, right now, then. no. All right then. But, so but the, that's the thing is the Steelers can't afford to go out and just get the best. And that's why I think they need to look at guys that are that that could be decent role players right now in in free agency and they need to and they and they that's where you can say and like JJ Wilcox is a solid example of a guy that if he if he was in free agency they already have him that they could bring him on and say okay, we're going to give you a shot to start. You prove it to us in training camp and in OTAs. Meanwhile, they dra- they draft their guy for the future and they say, "All right, you're going to compete with him." And that's where you see, okay, who's the best here? Is it the more athletic guy we drafted, or is it the veteran guy that knows how to communicate and has a little bit of experience dishing that out? Carter, we have one minute left, but that's probably all this topic will take. It's not significant. It's not like a major deal that Robert Golden was cut. Yeah. But it was a surprise. Yeah. And I I ask this only in the context, because not special teams. You'll find a special teams guy, okay? Mm -hmm. But it looks like Mike Tomlin between... Carnell Lake, mm-hmm. Robert Golden, Mike Mitchell. Uh, he's just saying to, to hell with this secondary mm-hmm. other than, you know, Artie, Sean Davis, and Joe Hayden. He's just saying, I, I'm just, we're doing this over again. Yeah, I, it, it was it was certainly bizarre because Robert Golden was was the special team's ace. I mean, he threw that, that perfect pass to Darius Hayward Bay. Still has the best passer rating in the league in 2017. <laughs> but here's here's my thing with that is that Robert Golden, if you looked at his, at, at his athletic makeup, he was not big and he was not fast. I know, but I'm more interested. We know that about yeah. Golden. I'm more interested in this part, the, the, the blowing it up component of this. You want to know why they're blowing it up. Well, are they blowing it up? Let's be more specific here because they trust Cam Sutton that much. I think they're blowing it up because, because they trust uh Brian Brian Allen. Brian Allen. Mm. Okay, no, I I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily trusting the, those young guys. I think that they're trusting that they can go out and they can build 
better safeties around Sean Davis and maybe even J.J. Wilcox for the future because they they obviously liked what his athleticism brought to the table, but not what he was able to what his chemistry was with the team as he didn't have any. So maybe they're saying give him another year. Uh, he also was a knucklehead at times. Yeah, too. I mean there were several penalties when Artie Burns has to tell you that you're losing it. Artie came uh, over yeah. and got his he, face. He, he was like, "What are you doing, was, man?" Dude, and like when Artie Burns, the second year player, is telling you that uh, you might need to reconsider. Artie, what you do. Artie Burns was giving him grief right there on the field, basically telling fifty three thousand people that he's a knucklehead. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. That was though. it. Was hilarious. But, I loved it. But that's another reason I think that Wilcox they'll still keep him around, but he's on a short leash. Yeah, I don't know if they'll keep him around. Carter, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, man. When we come back, we're going to take more of your calls. Four one two three 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 nine nine three nine. Any topic you want, you'll get on. Just give it a try. Four one two three 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 nine nine three nine. And in twenty minutes, we'll be checking in with Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports dot com covering the Pirates down in Bradenton. I'm Dan Kovacevic, filling in for Mark Madden here on your home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Hey, yo. Well, I'm not sure. It's just big and it's soft and I use a bunch of pillows and I snore. The X at 105.9. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. Mark will be back next week, just taking the day off, going checking out Michael Shanker Group. We're taking your calls at 412-333-9939. We'll swing back to hockey talk here. It's where we've spent most of the show. I just got back from covering the Penguins' trip, rather eventful trip, through New York and Montreal, in which a lot of things, you know, take that third period and just, like, shoot it into the sun, okay? They handled it well, meaning the aftermath. It's going to serve them better over the long run. Overall, I liked their play, all except for one thing, and it bugs me. It won't leave me, and that's Sidney Crosby's wingers right now. They're not getting it done. Sid, you know, in Montreal, the press box is is a gondola. It actually hangs over the ice, okay? So when you look down... It's not like playing a video game. It's like playing a video game from the 90s. It's like the Atari version because you're looking straight down, and all you see are the like the digit dots, and they're moving around. So the game looks so, so easy from up there, even more than from a usual press box. You see everything, everybody who's open. I can tell you that Sid made plays, made passes, fought for 50-50 pucks, skated with authority across the Montreal blue line, created offense for two guys who spent most of the game on their backs. Montreal's got a couple of bigger defensemen. They're not particularly good, but they have size. And any time any type of cycle was started, those guys would just get blown off the puck, not knocked off of it. I mean, like, cannonballed off the puck. And Sid would go get it, and he'd go behind Antiniemi's net, and he's circling around, he's he's creating, he's looking, and he makes a pass, and there's nobody there because those guys are already erased from the play. It's a real issue. Give me your thoughts on the first line, 412-333-9939. We're going to go first to Jared on the south side. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Dejan, how you doing today? Hi, Jared. Um, hey, I want to talk about uh, Evgeny Malkin and Crosby a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's no secret that uh, Malkin's having just an absolutely dominant season. Um, when he's playing like this, he's almost unstoppable. 
So my question for you is, who do you think is the more dominant player when they're both playing at the absolute peak of their offensive performance, Malkin or Crosby? I have said forever that the answer to this is Malkin. Uh, and I have said this even when there's been a big disparity in performance levels in the other direction. Um, I think if I had one game to play, like a game seven, I'm going to take Crosby because of uh, his history, his pedigree of winning championships. Remember when Mike Babcock famously called him a serial winner, which is a great line? Right. Um, that's how I think of Sid. But I think in terms of this hypothetical to what you're asking, there are things that Geno can do out there. I don't want to say that Sid can't, but man, uh, you know, that slap shot last night off the one-timer from uh, from Latang on the power play, it pinged off of that far post behind Niemi at such a volume, I think they heard it like up in Ottawa. I mean, it, it was so loud and so sharp. It wasn't like a dull ping. It was a ping, you know, like somebody had hit like one of those telephone lines, right? He crushed it. Niemi's lucky he didn't get in front of it. Uh, Sid doesn't have that that shot. He has. He obviously he has. They're different players. Okay, I just think that there's there are more things that Gino is capable of. Right, and I, I think that the one of the biggest differences is just the physical play from Malkin. I mean, being able to knock guys off the puck, protect the puck. I mean, he's just a more physically dominant player. I mean, Sid's great down low and grinding, but when Malkin's playing like he is now, it's just impossible to separate from the puck. No question. Appreciate the call, Jared. Four one two three 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 nine nine three nine is the number to call. Who's your wingers for Sid? Who are you looking at there? In my perfect world, all things being equal, it's going to be Zach Aston Reese, and I'm not saying that because he's the cool thing, the rookie, the one that everybody, you know, is all excited about. He had four goals in six games, and everybody was rightly praising him for everything. I'm saying that because there's an awful lot there that fits. Okay? I know that there's a sentiment, including by the regular host of this program, that Aston Reese can't keep up with Crosby. And that's true. And if they're on a speed skating oval, I'll take Sid as the Dutch guy. Okay? But that's not what this is about. It's a hockey rink. And Aston Reese has the ability to win battles along the boards, to find Sid, to feed him back on those cycles, to not get knocked down three times a shift, and also to draw attention to him by getting people, opponents, to go with him to the net. That's, by the way, why Mike Sullivan likes having Hornquist occasionally with Crosby, much more than Crosby appreciates it. John on the Parkway, you're on 105.9 The X. Are you there, John? Yes. Let's hear from you. Except for Gino on a penalty shot, yes. Oh, don't be that guy. No. You're mad at the relief pitcher because the last pitch he threw was a home run. Come on, dude. Be better. No, I know. I'm joking. Gino knows this. He called me personally. Never mind. (laughs) I don't don't mind uh, Sid's wingers. Um, Yes, you you do. You watched that game last night. Yes, they got knocked around a bit. Yeah, and Sid had a pass behind the line, came right up into the slot, and it went to the, the other team. There was nobody coming down 
you know, the left wing. When yeah, but up. I got to tell you, that was actually a much better pass than what it appeared to the naked eye, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Who would you have up there? Give me real quick your wingers for the line. What, Rust? Sherry and Rust, they're the same player. I don't know if I've ever seen them on the ice at the same time. I think Whoa, they boy. I'll, 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 take Rust, I'll take Rust over Shiri uh, seven days and then, you gotta, and then on an eighth day. you got to keep Gensel. you got to keep Gensel you up gotta, there. I like I, Gensel I'm okay with Gensel up there. I want to see Aston Reese, too. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Dave in Dormont. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, what's going on, DJ? Not much, David. Let's hear your uh, wingers. Uh, it's going to be Rust and R- Rust and if you got to keep Jess, but Rust's got to come up and play a right wing. I think as far as speed goes, and he can fly, and he's pretty, he's fairly physical. You know, not real big, but he can handle that. Okay, can I, can, I'm not going to disagree with you, but can I play devil's advocate on one count here with you? Okay. Rust has at least begun to make something out of the Broussard kessel thing. Now, he can't be the glue there forever. Eventually, those two got to right. kind of figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But right now, at least you're starting to see the beginning of something, and they didn't, not that you try to justify trades, but they didn't do all this to get Derek Broussard to just say, ah, whatever's left, we'll put there, you know? <laughs> uh, right. I, so I, I think there is value in having that third line staying okay, intact. So- so you want to then? Who do you want on top line? Do you want Gensel to stay? I'm okay with Gensel and Aston Reese. That's that's my thinking right now. But I, I say that, and I don't have an update because Aston Reese was not out on the trip with us, so mm-hmm. we never saw him. We didn't see him skating, so I don't know what his status is. Uh, presumably, it's not going to be forever, from what I understand. So I appreciate the call. Do we have Fred and Shaler? We do. Fred, you're on 105.9 The X. Best winger, go ahead. Hey, no, this is Frank from Shaler. The best winger for Sid is Sid cloned twice. Yeah. You- <laughs> okay. Let's let's go apart from the DNA studies. Who do you want up there? Um, Rick Tockett. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What matters the most is taking care of your top two lines. I get that. So all things being equal, yeah, I would see Rust going up there. But there is a concern that comes about from the fact that when you start moving other guys out of first-line roles, that they can't play a fourth or even a third-line role. And I know that sounds unfair because then what you end up doing is you're punishing Brian Rust for being able to wash windows. And you know what I mean when I say that. The one dude in the office who's good at washing windows, he's the one who washes windows. Because nobody else wants to learn it. Rust, in his case, is he's good on any line that you put him on, and you do want to value the top line first, but, man, I, I just want to see more of what the effect is on the third line before we go there. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to call down to Lance Lysowski in Bradenton, Florida. He's covering the Pirates for DKPittsburghSports.com. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. Filling in for Mark Madden here on your flagship home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 The X. Going to switch up gears here a little bit and go to Bradenton, Florida, where Lance Lysowski from our website is covering the Pirates. And Lance, the first question that I have for you, actually the first question I have for you is, are you there? I am here. Okay, we're off to a flying start then. 
The second question I have is whether or not the Pirates rotation can be off to a flying start. Uh, it's really an unknown commodity, isn't it? It is. So you look at the top, Avon Nova, the, the numbers in spring, I wouldn't pay attention to him. He's working on a few things, especially his changeup. Jameson Tyon looks impeccable. And he said this is the best he's felt so far in his career, actually. But you look at the other three, I mean, Trevor Williams, okay. Some, some nice things last season, but Chad Gould's been a mess so far this spring. He starts tomorrow against the Twins. I guess we'll see what happens there. And then Joe Musgrove. I mean, the guy they acquired in the Garrett Cole trade was a disaster as a starter in Houston. Was not pretty good in the bullpen late last season. But the Pirates, of course, uh, are putting him back in the rotation. He made his first start yesterday. Not bad for, you know, the first start. But there's no guarantee he'll even be ready for the season because he, not, he might not be stretched out in time because of the uh, the soreness in his right shoulder that he uh, had early in spring training. Yeah, this is, I mean... You know, everybody likes to talk about lineups, you know, and losing Kutch is going to only heighten that, at least to what extent interest remains in the club, and that in and of itself is an unknown right now. Uh, but I can't get past the idea that the only way that the Pirates flat-out surprise and contend, and I'm not being a dreamer here, I'm trying to come up with a scenario in which that happens, is if the rotation were to, you know, surprise and contend. And really? for that to happen, yeah. yeah, for that to happen, I mean, the two variables, I mean, Ivan Nova's mostly a known commodity. If Tyone does what you're seeing right now and carries into the season, that's another thing. But now it comes down to Cool and Williams more than anybody, and Cool has the stuff but not the consistency. Williams has the consistency but not the stuff. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, Williams is more in the in the mold of Nova, you know, in terms of just being a ground ball pitcher. He's not going to strike a lot of guys out. But fastball command's been a problem for him so far, and it's simple things like mechanics. And, and Chad Cool struggling with the same things. Yeah, it's spring training. You take what you see in, with a grain of salt, but very unknown commodities. And that's one thing. You look at the lineup. The lineup looks pretty good now. They have you know added Corey Dickerson, as good as it could look without Andrew McCutcheon in it, of course. Yeah, now, it's not it's not a one for one swap, obviously. Right. That, yeah, not even not even close to it. But they they need one of those two to to be much better than they were last season because the bullpens also there's some question marks with some of the guys they brought in like Kyle Crick from San Francisco and I just see this honestly being kind of a repeat of you know a repeat of last year where the starting rotation the guys in the back end have trouble making it five innings that that really hurts the bullpen usage and then you have that you know I guess trolley going back and forth between Indianapolis and Pittsburgh, bringing new guys in. Yeah, that, that's that's where you start getting into long relief, which is never a winning situation for any manager. Every manager makes bad decisions when he is uh, making up for five inning starts. Oh, and when Tyler Glasson was one of those long relievers, at one the and a third inning starts. Club, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's there. <laughs> They're in quite the situation here. That's the one position that you can you could say what you want about what Neil Huntington did in the offseason, but they need you to go and grab a starting pitcher. Let's talk about the the offense here, Lance. And give me one guy that's been impressive down there. Because again, most of these other than Colin Moran, the the new third baseman, are, are gonna be known commodities. And I guess to an extent Dickerson, at least for Pirates fans. But what is is there been one guy that's really jumped out? Uh, at you because in my time down there i didn't see anybody offensively that i thought wow they're killing it i mean i liked adam frazier but i've always liked adam frazier 
Well, Polanco looks really good. I don't, I don't know how he looked when you were down here, but he's hitting the ball really well, looks athletic. The speed's back. He looks good in the outfield, comfortable out there. You know, Gregory Polanco, that's the one thing that he admitted last year. He never quite felt comfortable physically. Because you know? of the hamstring, yeah. Of course, because of the hamstring and even coming in, he was hitting well in the spring, but he said even then, now looking back, it physically wasn't feeling right. I think Sterling Marte's look really good. Defensively, there's been some hiccups in center. I, that's Sterling Marte, though, for you. I just Can he kind of produce the play? And Corey Dickerson's really picked it up. I know he's more of an own commodity, but they need those guys to produce. You know, Josh Bell's going to be Josh Bell, but you need lineup protection. And is there a surprise guy? Like last year, there was Osuna who was just murdering the ball, you know? I, I, I think Elias Diaz, you know, the last really? week and a half or so is really hitting the ball well and, you know, they're going to need both of those catchers. Beyond the numbers, really beyond the numbers, Lance, what you've seen too, like solid outs, good at bats, good plate appearances. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he when when he's getting out, he's putting the ball in play, long at bats, the plate discipline's there. That's the one thing you heard about him coming up throughout the minor leagues. This guy, he can hit, but now he's got the defensive aspect of it too. He's working with the starting pitchers. Now it's going to be interesting how Clint Hurdle uses those two catchers. We are out of time, Mr. Lysowski. Thanks for the thanks for the uh, information from down there. We're playing Dead Kennedys here for you. Of course. <laughs> I want to thank all of my guests who appeared today. Jason Mackey, John Steigerwald, Christopher Carter, and, of course, Lance Lysowski, just now from Bradenton, filling in for Mark Madden, who will be back next week. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. You are listening to 105.9 The X. I was fly, I was